I'm Holiday. I'm Tarrant. I'm Independence Day. Oh, a microphony. And a phony at the mic. Get Whoa! Over there. <laughs> and now, on with the opera. Let joy be unconfined. Let there be dancing in the streets, drinking in the saloons, and necking in the parlor. Play, Don. Would you welcome Mr. Warmth? Picture it. Sicily. 1922. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Killers, Cults, and Nutjobs 2.0, where we cover all crime. I am, as always, your host, the great white snark, Scotty J. And joining me once again in our journey into madness is the lovely and beautiful Monica. Hi. Hey, how's good? Real enthusiasm there. Yeah, well, you know, I figure if I can't have some cute catchphrase, I might as well make it, you know, enthusiastic. Right. <laughs> right. Well, this is your subject matter. You know, you know this stuff better than I do. Yeah, she's smiling because I just gave oh. her a compliment. She's like, oh, you're so cute. Yeah, actually, you went silent. This is why the Zoom stinks, but. Right. Yeah, much can do about it. Right. Until we can get like some five-year-old Asian kid to upgrade it. Yeah. Okay, we're going to finish up with uh, John Wayne Gacy this week. Uh, if you remember from last week, poor John got caught. The police snubbed the rotted flesh coming up through this. Not really. He was a complete ass. So, sorry. Well, Continue. That, but that, you know, and, and the thing is, is a, a, when all this was going on, I was like, my nephew Matt's age. So I don't remember this stuff clearly. Of course, I was in bed because I was in kindergarten. Yeah, well, I guess they probably, your parents probably hid it from you too. Yeah, because they watched, you know? you know, they watched like the 10 o'clock news. So I, I was in bed before then. So I really didn't see all what was happening with the investigation and the trials and everything. Yeah. So... The police had the search warrant. They're going in. They go into the crawl space because they're going to start the task of digging up the crawl space because, you know, they smelled a dead body down there. Well, when they first opened it up, Gacy had turned off the sump pump and let the bait, it let the crawl space fill up, fill up with water. So they had to plug the sump pump back in. And, you know, I think they said on the, the Netflix documentary, it was probably like half an hour, I want to say, half an hour to an hour that the, the water cleared out. Now, since this was like dirt in there, the ground was muddy. So they started digging, and at first they found a leg bone. Digging deeper, the police began, 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 I can't talk tonight. The police began to find more bodies. Now, while this is going on, Gacy's back at the police station, and he was asked about his crawl space. So he took a sheet of paper, and he drew up, the di- he drew a diagram of the crawl space and then he started marking where he, he had dug these, well he didn't dig them, he buried the bodies in there the funny thing is, is some of these guys that he had working for a PDM were digging the trenches in there because he was telling them, oh I'm, I'm putting some pipe down in there to, to help drain water and sometimes these guys who are digging these trenches were the ones who are going to fill them up so to speak so he drew the layout. He, he marked where the bodies would be found. 
Now, using that information, the police began digging, and Gacy's information was correct. Well, you know, police was, the neighborhood started to notice there's a lot of cops around. And one of the first reporters in Chicago who broke it was Jay Levine. He used to be on, um, those of you who are here in Illinois and in, in the Chicago area, y'all remember I said Chicago, so that there's the Illinois slipping out a little bit on this one. Um, you guys remember Jay Levine, Channel 7? Great guy. He was one of the first reporters who broke the news because he was sit- he was sleeping in his house and one of his informants called him and said, hey, you need to get out here to Norwich right away. Well, the neighborhood, people in their houses started coming out and watching what the police were doing at Gacy's place. And as more bodies started coming out, more people started coming out watching what was going on. You know, was, this is the holiday season. Did you really want to sit inside and watch, you know, It's a Wonderful Life for the 10th? Well, yes, go- I do. So. Well, you would, but I mean, you know, would, would I'm gonna pick. Um, yeah, like Christmas now, that would that would be another watch it too. So, no. or like Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Yeah, basically pretend you have no cable at Christmas. So. Right. Okay. Um, you know, would you like to? Would you sit inside and watch those Rankin and Bass Christmas specials again for like the twelve hundred time since December first? Because Chicago TV, they would play them like. I think they were in rotation like every Friday night during from like Thanksgiving to New Year's Eve. Or do you want to go outside and watch the police dig up dead bodies out of your neighbor's crawl space? I'm going for the crawl space, man. In my vid's crawl space. Right. Now, between the 22nd of December and Christmas Eve, four bodies were discovered. Now, the crew took a break for Christmas because, you know, Union rules, even in Chicago, and they went back to work on the 26th. Now, between the 26th and the 29th of December, 25 bodies were found. In 1979, a blizzard hit Chicago and halted all activity around the house. And I remember that blizzard. That was a bitch. I mean, you guys get what? Nor'easterners come through? Yeah, well, I've got we've had blizzards too. I remember actually, yeah, middle of um, March '93 was like one of the worst ones I remember. Uh, the, we uh, we had like two big pine trees in front of my house when I was growing up, and I remember snow being so deep they were like almost halfway up the pine trees from that blizzard from the blizzard of '79. So they're still finding the little kids too from that one. Uh, yeah, yes. Occasionally, one will turn up. You know, yeah. um, we we still uh, we found most of them by the spring. You know, we could have had uh-huh. a cure for cancer by now, but you know, little Timmy fell in a snowdrift, and we didn't find him until March. So, yeah. our bad. <laughs> You're right. So, at, on uh, March 9th, activity picked up again when a body was found buried under the patio. On March 16th, the 29th body was found. Now, he also had, there was a, like a concrete slab in his bait in a crawl space. There was a body under there. And he also had a body buried in the garage. So between all this, 29 bodies were found on the property. Yeah. One was found in the garage, like I said, where he indicated with spray paint to the police. 
because because they, they I think they might have taken him back there and he he walked in the garage and grabbed the can and went right here. The bodies in the crawl space were buried on top of each other, and some of them were so badly decayed that you know at this time we didn't have DNA like we do now. They sent out the call for dental records, and a lot of them were identified by their dental records. Now Gacy had said since he ran out of room in the crawl space. He originally wanted to like convert the or start putting bodies up in the attic, but he was afraid of like fluid dripping down because that kind of be like a dead giveaway. Yeah, there's no hiding that then. No, there, there's not. I mean, no yeah. matter how much you try to like waterproof your attic, it, it's going to show. Yeah. And the stink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even more so than it already was. Right. So he began to dump bodies in the Des Plaines River. Now, police began to dredge the river, and bodies 31 and through 34 were found in the river, including Rob Peast, the one whose disappearance started this whole investigation. He wasn't found until, like, April of 79. And he was found, like, farther down the river than where Gacy had dumped them, because those of us around here know that where he dumped them on the Des Plaines River is part of the uh, Illinois-Michigan Canal system. So the current's pretty strong, and he, he, he went out, man. I think some hunters found him. Hunters are fishermen. It, it's always one of those two that find the bodies, or joggers. And the joggers are also the ones that go missing. So. <laughs> right. Either they're, finding, or they're finding the people, or they're being the missing people. There's like no in between. Like like Ralphie May said about him hiking. If I'm hiking, someone real close to me, their life is on the line. Or I will be, or I am um, being chased by a really slow monster. On February 6, 1980, 1980, the trial began. The jury was picked from Rockford since a jury in Chicago would be too prejudiced against Gacy, <laughs> you think. At the time of the request of his defense counsel, Gacy spent over 300 hours with doctors at the Menard Correctional Center in Chester in the year before his trial. He underwent a variety of psychological tests before a panel of psychiatrists to determine whether he was mentally competent to stand trial. Gacy attempted to convince the doctors that he had multiple personality disorder. He claimed to have four personalities, the hardworking, the civic-minded contractor, the clown, the active politician, and a policeman called Jack Hanley, whom he referred to as Bad Jack, which is funny because he actually knew a cop named Jack Hanley. That's where he got the name from. Now, when he confessed to the police, he claimed to be relaying the crimes of Jack, who detested homosexuality, and he viewed male prostitutes as weak, stupid, and degraded scum. His lawyers opted to have Gacy plead not guilty by reason of insanity to the charges against him. Now, presenting Gacy as a Jekyll and Hyde character, the defense produced several psychiatric experts who had examined Gacy. Three said... Three testified at the trial 
that they found him to be a paranoid schizophrenic with multiple personalities. The prosecution brought in people who had known Gacy, like two employees, Cram and Rossi. Both men gave detailed information about Gacy's sex life with them and work they did in the crawl space. They admitted to digging trenches for Gacy, then later putting lime down there. They didn't question why, just that they got paid for what they did. Jeffrey Regnall testified on behalf of the defense on February 21st, recounting his ordeal Rignall wept repeatedly while describing Gacy's torture of him in March 1978. Asked whether Gacy appreciated the criminality of his actions, Rignall said he believed that Gacy was unable to conform his actions to the law's expectations because of the beastly and animalistic ways he attacked me. During specific cross-examination relating to the torture, Rignall vomited and was excused from further testimony. On February 29th, Donald Voorhees, whom Gacy sexually assaulted in 1967, testified to his ordeal at Gacy's hands and his subsequent attempts to dissuade him from testifying by paying another youth to spray mace in his face and beat him. Voorhees felt unable to testify, but did briefly attempt to do so before being asked to step down. Robert Donnelly testified the week after Voorhees, recounting his ordeal at Gacy's hands in December 1977. Donnelly was visibly distressed as he recalled the abuse he endured and came close to breaking down several times. As Donnelly testified, Gacy repeatedly laughed at him, but Donnelly finished his testimony. During Donnelly's cross-examination, one of Gacy's defense attorneys, Robert Moda, attempted to discredit his testimony, but Donnelly did not waver from his testimony of what had occurred. Now, one of the other people who testified was a guy named Ronald Rowe. And during his testimony, Rhodes said, uh, now, Kunkel, one of the attorneys, asked Rhodes what happened when Gacy got drunk. He was like any other normal person. If he had too much, he'd just throw up and pass out. And that was the end of it. We would put John to bed. Now, on these occasions, did you ever see any personality changes in him? No, sir. Now, Rhodes told of being upset over the surveillance, but Gacy had reassured him that he was going to sue the city of Des Plaines and he was going to get them off my back. Accustomed, they were pulling in my neighbor's driveway and I was not accustomed to living this way. I mean, I ain't no saint, but I never had that problem. I wrote, wrote recalled Gacy's visit shortly before his arrest. He was kind of ragged, like he was all, up all evening. The first thing he asked of me for was a drink. Scotch and water on the rocks. After a few minutes, Gacy said he had a go to the cemetery. He says, I really came to say goodbye to my best friends for the last time, I says. What the hell are you talking about? He told me, well, them son of bitches out there are going to get me. Uh, he meant the police officers. He walked up and put his hands on my shoulder and he starts crying. He says, Ron, I've been a bad boy. I look at him. Oh, come on, John, I says. You haven't been that bad, he says. I killed 30 people, give or take a few. I didn't know what the hell to say. I looked at him and I says, John, the only bad people that I know is Jesse James and Billy the Kid, and they are all dead. He was crying. Road asked about the victims, and Gacy said they were very bad people, black men, and they were scattered all over. <laughs> okay, John, I said, you're full of shit. 
I thought I knew this gentleman very well. It would be like somebody best best friend giving you a shot right between your eyes. You know, he's telling you the truth and you really don't know where to go with it. Casey picked up his coat to leave, Rhodes said, and a rosary fell to the floor. He picked it up. I says, hey, you, hey, you son of a bitch. When did you turn religious? And uncle asked Rhodes if he had known Gacy to be a regular churchgoer. No way. Now, Rhodes grabbed and shook him and said, John, I says, for once in your life, tell me the truth. Do you know that peace boy? He says, Ron, I swear. If he walked through that door, I wouldn't know him. At the door, while Rhodes was pleading with him to come back, in, come back in and talk, Gacy turned and asked for a gun. John, I says, no way am I going to give you a gun. What do you want a gun for? He says, if I'm going to go down, I'm taking a few of those sons of bitches with me. I says, my friend, you're going to go. To, if you're going to go down, you're not using one of my guns. That's a friend for you. Now, Rhodes later said, he kind of caught me off balance. I says, how did you get the phone privileges? Because he made a phone call. Rhodes said, I, uh, how do you get phone privileges, John? And he says, oh, I'm a celebrity here. After they joked around a bit, Rhodes got right to the point. John, I says, explain one question to me. How do bodies get under the house? There was a little silence. He says, there's going to be a lot of surprises. There's a lot of keys out, of my, out to my home. I said, I said, hey. I said, well, hey, you son of a bitch. I ain't got one. And the jurors laughed at this. On the cross-exam, Aramonte said, are you extremely hurt and aggravated about this man, aren't you? I don't have the hurt that some of these people in this jury room have. My hurt is completely different. But it's a hurt. It's not a hurt. An anger? John manipulates people to fit his way. Is it? And he only told me what he wanted me to know. I believe John Rhodes said, until the first body came up from under his house. The trial lasted six weeks. The jury deliberated for two hours and found Gacy guilty for the murder of 33 young men and boys. They sentenced him to death. Gacy spent 14 years on death row, exhausting his appeals. During this time, Gacy began to say he was innocent and that there were other people involved in the murders. One theory Gacy has brought up, had brought up has been the involvement of a nationwide child sex trafficking ring and snuff film industry. Gacy had never given any names to who was involved. If there was any involvement, Gacy took those names to the grave. On the morning of May 9, 1994, Gacy was transferred from the Menard Correctional Center to Statesville Correctional Center in Crest Hill to be executed. That afternoon, he was allowed a private picnic on the prison grounds with his family. For his last meal, Gacy ordered a bucket of KFC, a dozen fried shrimp, French fries, fresh strawberries, and a Diet Coke. That evening, he observed prayer with a Catholic priest before being escorted to the Statesville Execution Chamber to receive a lethal injection. KFC, before the execution I began. At, I believe at this time of KFC, they only had, a, I think, original extra crispy didn't come out until like the mid-80s. Yes, well, this was ninety four, though. So no, oh, ninety four. Yeah, I wonder yeah. if it, I wonder if it was, if if he did get extra crispy original. Well, if it was um, 
the electric chair extra crispy would have been appropriate. <laughs> oh, you made the joke before I could. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Wow. That I'm mm-hmm. going to applaud you on that one. Thank you. Sometimes I, yeah. You, you could also say that one for the Bundy episode because he got the chair. Yeah, but see, it's not as funny because of the KFC with right, the, right, and magic. Yeah, so oh, you got it, nice. And also, yeah, he didn't request KFC, so yeah. But if he if he got a bucket, did he get the sides and the biscuits to go with it? Well, I guess. Is I know from my probably ex- just the bucket because you can well, do just. I, I think you can, but I know from my experience, if you ordered a bucket, you mm-hmm. got to get the mashed potatoes and gravy and the coleslaw because KFC makes some killer ass coleslaw. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And you got to get the box of six biscuits to go with it. Yeah, they I haven't. There's no KFC around anymore. Oh, like if, when, once you go over the bridge, like back when we first got the house, there was a KFC. Actually, that was our first meal in this house. Nice. Whoever got KFC. Well, well, I know when I when I take Alex to Philly this summer, I'm I'm getting him a cheesesteak. Well, the, yeah, I'll have to discuss you discuss where, but well, I I know where the, the place you well, took me. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, there's a couple of them around, so that'll be not the tourist place. Ugh. No, 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 I, no. I'd rather go eat at a a neighborhood dive than a tourist place. Yeah, this one's like sort of in between. It's Taurus, but it's also still good. I'm like, yeah, the St. Gino's, which oh, rapidly wow. went downhill. <laughs> now, I guess we'll just get on to Gacy's yes. execution. We're, we're, we're talking about food. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I already ate, but I'm still hungry, I guess. <laughs> Before the execution began, the chemicals used to affect the execution solidified unexpectedly. Oh, darn. Clogging the IV tube used to administer the chemicals into Gacy's arm, complicating the procedure. I hope it hurts. I hope it hurts. Blinds covering the window through which witnesses, yeah, observed the execution were drawn. I've been like, no, I, like I've paid for my ticket. I want to see. Well, I re- this was execution. On the first, I'll, I'll tell you about this when you finish. Okay. The execution team replaced the clogged tube. After 10 minutes... The blinds were reopened and the execution resumed. The entire procedure took 18 minutes. Anesthesiologists blamed the problem on the prison officials' inexperience at conducting an execution, saying that had correct execution procedures been followed, the complications would never have occurred. This error apparently led to Illinois adopting an alternative method of lethal injection. On this subject, one prosecutor at Gacy's trial, William Conkle, said, he got a much easier death than any of his victims. See, I remember when this happened because, what was this, 94? Yeah. yeah. This was 94. It was on the front page of the, the local paper down here. It, you know, it said Gacy's execution. And like when we talk about Bundy, there was a party atmosphere outside Statesville when John Wayne Gacy was executed. You know, there's people out there. There was I remember the picture from the front of the paper. There was a lady holding a candle and vigil because Illinois had people protesting, you know, the death penalty. And some guy was trying to lean over her shoulder and blow out the candle. 
and people are holding signs that said, no tears for this clown. I, if I was Smokey Robinson, I, I would have. Yeah, I, I mean, there's some people you got to like that deserve the death penalty. And right. I mean, he's right up there. I mean, it completely obvious he did it. I mean, well, it was obvious he did those. it. I mean, if you're like, pick somebody better to protest at, please. Right. You know, going to do it. I mean, he, I'm sure even when, when Bundy. Does my nephew Jamil adding his two cents into the uh, conversation if you hear him? Well, like when Bundy was executed, I'm sure there were people out there protesting, as well as people out there where the science said, Fry Bundy, Fry. Yeah, I've been one of the Fry Bundy people. You know, I, I am half tempted to look on eBay to see if, the, if anybody has any of the. Uh, Ted Bundy execution T-shirts available for sale. Uh, yeah, well, I'll look it up while you continue. <laughs> you got the last section here, right? Continue. Now, according to published reports, long, Gacy, so. <laughs> Gacy was a diagnosed psychopath who did not express any remorse for his crimes. His final statement to his lawyer before the execution was that. Killing him would not compensate for the loss of others, and that the state was murdering him. His final spoken words were reported to be, kiss my ass. Over the years, Chicago has put Gacy out of its memory, despite his name popping up from time to time. Many people have stated that they have seen Gacy around different properties he had owned in Chicago, acting strange, and the police department has not bothered to investigate these reports. So how did Gacy get away with this? Well, for one, he knew people from his work with local politics. Many complaints that came to the police, Gacy would tell them that there was a misunderstanding or in the case of the missing people, that they ran away. The police took him at his word because, you know, he's a ward captain. He works with the Demo you know, Democrats. He's got a picture with Rosalind Kennedy or not Rod Rosalind Carter. I wanted to say Kennedy. You know, he's got a picture with Rosalind Carter, for Christ's sake. This man couldn't do stuff like that. Parents who reported their kids missing, often the police would dismiss them as runaways. Very little investigation was given to trying to find these people until they turned up in Gacy's crawl space. Any recent reports of possible Gacy burial spots are ignored by the police. Now, Gacy said to one of the officers who arrested him that he has killed as many as 45 people. In recent years, the Illinois State's Attorney's Office has reopened the Gacy case, attempting to identify those bodies who are too decomposed to properly be identified. With DA, did he, man, I goofed up on that one. With DNA technology where it's at, two of the bodies have been identified, giving those families some closure. Despite Gacy being dead for despite Gacy being dead for 29 years, his ghost continues to haunt Chicago. He is the elephant in the room as long as there are unidentified bodies of his victims, and he will never leave Chicago alone. And one of the reasons why he doesn't get investigated, the claims doesn't get investigated, is a lot of cops made their career on Gacy. And Especially in Chicago, I don't know how it is for you in Philly, but 
you know, if it looks like that they missed something, then they don't want to be seen as, you know, failing to do their job. That's because I he owned um it, it was an apartment complex that had like a like like a triangle shaped yard that it sat on. And they think that he might have buried some bodies there. So they did ground penetrating radar and hit like 12 spots that were like really anonymous. Yeah. Well, the police only investigated two and said, eh, there's no bodies here. So Chicago just, you know, ignored it altogether. So they didn't bother. No, and, and that's no, that's the thing about Gacy is like, like I said, a lot of cops made their career. They don't want to look like they screwed up if there's still bodies. Uh, yeah. And since they're still alive too, it's not even like well, right. Like um, it, so. like if you take a look, like like I said on the other episode, if you watch Netflix uh, interviews with a killer, their new ones on John Wayne Gacy, and the cops and the attorneys who had, who you know arrested and prosecuted him are still alive. Yeah. So. You know, do, do we want to be embarrassed? Oh, no. they did have a part like they did in um, the the ones that were unidentified that they said at the end that they had identified a few more. Um, and then there was a thing if you think somebody yeah. is like was um, a victim of gay yeah. to call this number, you right? Know, like, um, call yeah, this number. The, the one that I the, the first one that I watched that uh. The, 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 it was the county, uh, the, the attorney saying, I'm opening up the case. That's the one where they found, identified two. And some of them are in, um, they're all located in one cemetery. And all the headstones say, like, unknown victim of John Wayne Gacy. So once they get a family test to the family, or once the family gives the DNA, they give the order to exhume the body, and they match it, and then they're given a proper you know, they got their name back, they get a proper burial and everything is copacetic. Uh But, you know, I think, I I think that end of that Netflix special, I think they said there was like still some, still some that are not identified. That, like you said, you know, if you, if you believe that your victim or your family member may have been a victim of John Wayne Gacy, call this number. You're a victim. Yeah, I'm a victim of Gacy. Uh, well, I guess, like, well, the the one guy did get away. So, yeah, I guess it could be yeah. true, too. Well, yeah. Because when he uh, worded, he said he could be a victim of John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, but there was. So, yeah. Yeah. I won't make fun of you then. So. Well, no, but that guy, uh, John Rignall, he took his own life after the trial. Hey. Yeah. Um, they talked to his partner on the Netflix special. And he said, like, sometime after the trial, like mid 80s or somewhere around there what john did to him messed him up so bad that he took his own life and they they had like interview footage of him after the attack and when he went to court yeah. you could still Jeffrey see Vignal. yeah yeah sorry but yeah yeah christmas eve of 2000 yeah uh, you could still see the burn marks on his face from the chloroform yeah i mean that that guy you know, and I, I feel for all the victims that had uh, that lost family members to him. 
you know, it's, it's a, um, it's a sad, sad story. Yeah. Um, has the guy that wrote to him too. Oh yeah. Victim that Jason Moss. Yeah. He killed himself also. Yeah. And I mean, like I knew about Gacy when I got a little bit older, you know, I, I'd heard some things about him, but I said it wasn't until like I saw on the front of the paper of, the, of his execution that, you know, it was, wow, really? And, you know, it was about the guys partying were a bunch of frat boys out there, you know, tailgating at an execution. Always fun times. Well, you've seen the footage of the Bundy one. Yeah. Those guys were hammered. Maybe they got drunk got drunk before they went. And then the yeah, continued drinking. Right. Is there who is left? I'm thinking well, I mean Golden State Kill or BTK, he's still around i'm thinking yeah of, uh, yeah i just watched something on him the, other day. the most infamous um golden state killer still is he yeah. still alive okay yeah. yeah we're gonna do one on him i gotta i gotta get some books on him um i think green river's still alive oh uh, yeah yeah so there's still a few yeah there's still. There, there's still a few that's still sitting out there yeah gary waiting. ridgeway uh-huh. gary ridgeway yeah I, work. Well, I remember Ramirez, he died a few years ago. I remember, he, and then well, I'm still too young for remember when um, Speck Ramirez? died. But. Oh, Speck, yeah. I, yeah. I think I remember Speck dying. He was a strange one, but we'll, we'll get to him. But before we sign off, um, I got to tell you, one of the guys I work with looks like BTK. Oh, great. Yeah, I work with a guy that looks like BTK and one that looks like Ed Kemper. So I'm 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 in good company. My God, yeah. <laughs> Going up doing that, like, well, this is Monica doing the show today. So then <laughs> we can't seem to locate Scott. <laughs> right. He's uh he's been missing since uh, last Thursday. We don't know what happened yeah. to him. Uh-huh. Okay, folks, we're gonna wrap this one up. Uh, if you're looking for us out there, cast box. Podbean, um, Amazon Music, Player FM. We're still working on it. We're still working to get to the big time. We hit these small ones and we'll make it on iTunes one day, folks. The show, I bet there's a lot of, a lot of people on True Crime right now going, I'm so glad Killers Culture, no jobs are gone. They were nothing. No, we're coming back. We're like a urinary tract infection. We, we, we return. But this time I returned with a, a better looking co-host. You're getting another co-host? Uh, I, I was going to get a puppet, but, you know. Be like the, be a little be, more lively than um, the first that's one. Right. Or he'd be more lively than Phil was, you know. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, for KCN 2.0. I'm Scotty J, and say goodnight, Monica. Goodnight, Monica. This concludes our broadcast day. Good night.
and God bless you.